The virtual CISO moment is brought to you by VCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vcisoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. We've got Elvis Huff with us here today. He is the Vice President, Director of Security and Information Security Officer at Wilson Bank and Trust. Elvis, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So we'd love to hear your story. How did you start out in IT and InfoSec, and what led you to your current position as ISO for Wilson Bank? So, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, as a kid, I grew up and my dad actually, you know, encouraged me. He said, hey, I don't know anything about computers, but son, you know, this is the future, right? This is what you need to learn. And so we actually had a friend who gave me an old 286 computer and I was. Oh, my. I remember those. I learned about networking on 286s. Go ahead. This was a it was like a Toshiba. And I I don't even want to call it a laptop because, man, if you set it in your lap for very long, your legs were going to become paralyzed because it was heavy. Was it it gray with an orange screen? Yes, yes. Oh, yes. We used to use those for network troubleshooting at the University of Buffalo. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I know Toshiba. <laughs> no, yes. listen, it's great, man. And so I had that and I had an old, it was a CRT monitor and it was like a nine pin serial monitor, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even a 15 pin, wasn't a VGA. And so I thought, hey, this is neat. And the monitor was in color. So it was, it was advantageous for me to plug it up. And so anyway, I was the nerd kid that, man, I sat down and just started learning this. And then I remember I had a 386 that had Windows 3.1, and I thought, man, it had DOS. And then you, you know, I'd go into DOS, and I'd learn the, you know, man, I could start up 3.1, and you know, I just started learning. You know, I just started banging around, figuring it out, and then it was the transitions, right? 95, 98, and so, uh, and then I remember, man, when I got the internet, right? We had dial-up internet. I thought, man, I am the cool kid now. Like nobody get on the phone, and it, inevitably, my dad would get on the phone or my mom or somebody, and it's like, no, I did. The cool. connection just dropped, yeah. I and mean, then you got to go through the whole. Yeah, exactly. Again. Yeah, and you, you step away, and man, you boot up the computer, and you thought an airplane was taking off or something. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, it's fun times. So anyway, fast forward. So man, I I get into high school, and I take the computer classes, and it was back then. You know, this was early 2000s, right? And so uh, I know I'm young. I graduated high school in 2004. And we had, it was like office classes, you know, you're saving everything on three and a half floppy disks. And so anyway, I get into college and I get an interest in law enforcement as well. And I have this huge passion for, you know, cyber crime. And I get interested in, you know, at that time, everybody was calling it white collar crime. And you know, mm. what, what is that, you know, racketeering, but it also involves some cyber. And uh, anyway, so I, I get interested in that. And so I signed up at MTSU and Middle Tennessee State University there in Murfreesboro. I know MTSU. <laughs> yep. Go Blue Raiders. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I sign up. Actually, I, I start out as a computer science major. And I quickly realized that programming was not for me. And so I changed to criminal justice. But I still, and so I start working at, I actually have a background in law enforcement. I'll walk through this real quick. Um, so anyway, I'm in law enforcement. I'm working at Lebanon police. I'm dispatching at night. So if you call the police, I was one of the people who would answer the phone. And uh, so anyway, I'm involved in that. And I was using, you know, my goal was to move up in that field and get harness that technology background that I had because I was always good with computers. It just came natural to me. Not, you know, say that from a, a, a sense of humility. 
right? And it's just something that was my God-given gift. And uh, anyway, so move up, you know, become a police officer, and we start, I start seeing cybercrime, right? And so then as I'm working through those ranks, I remember we would have in-service, and I remember teaching officers as a young guy about, hey, if you retrieve a cell phone from a, a suspect, you know, we need to put it in a makeshift Faraday cage, or you need to put it in mm-hmm. airplane mode, so they can't communicate because suspects were beginning to wipe devices as the authorities were legally seizing those with warrants, et cetera. And so anyway, um, we worked through that. And so then at this time, you know, law enforcement did not have computers in the cars and I had a good friend of mine, uh, a great guy, consultant. Uh, I don't know if I can share his name or not, but uh, anyway. to you if you want yeah. to or not. And Chris Lamont was his name. And I don't know if you subscribe. And if you are, Chris, thank you. And uh, anyway, so he really took me under his wing and taught me a whole lot about IT security. And we were putting laptops in cars and obviously we needed to harden those and hardening and hardening guidelines. And fast forward, I graduated with my bachelor's in criminal justice. and I'm working on my master's in IT security again at MTSU, go Blue Raiders. And, and, uh, and, and I have to pause there because we, we kind of had this conversation right before we started recording that I did not realize that you were at MTSU and you were actually at MTSU when I was in charge of networking and security there. I was actually the CISO at the time, although they didn't call it a CISO, uh, which kind of makes me feel old. (laughs) (laughs) Man, you're not old at all. But, Um, but also when you were in um, going in uh, for your master's with your dates, if I read it correctly, it was like 2010 ish is when you went in. It's actually where I graduated, when I graduated with my master's in, in computer information systems, or I guess they call it information systems and analytics now. Um, And I don't know if you knew this, but I am actually on their advisory board there now. And um, we VC, so my firm, um, we have a scholarship that uh, is endowed. So every year we uh, we uh, help a student out there in uh, information security. But anyway, enough of my patting myself on the back. No, here. no, listen, that, that's awesome. <laughs> All I, this to say is, is I love MTSU. If there's anybody out there who's looking for a good uh, security information system school, MTSU is great. Now, back to the Elvis show. Go ahead. <laughs> you're, you're doing your master's there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I, I love it. And, and, you know, yeah, go tissue is great school, good program. So working on, so now I'm in this, I'm very blessed, right? So I'm in this position where I'm getting hands-on experience and, and I am learning this in, in school, right? So I'm going from the classroom to, to the field and mind you, you know, I was the guy that I stepped up. I was still an officer. So I'm working, I'm working extra, you know, and, and I saw a need and I threw a hand up and I said, hey, I would like to do this. This is something that we're trying to get off the ground. And so at this point, putting computers in police cars, we knew had been done in other cities, but it, it really harnessed the power of going from I would say analogous type processes to really more in the 21st century, if you will. Anyway, so, you know, that led to you know, hardening and then it led to compliance. We had law enforcement is governed by CEGIS, you know, and I work at a bank now. And so I'll get to how I got there quickly. But, you know, banks are governed by FDIC and OCC and others. Uh, but anyway, law enforcement had CEGIS, criminal justice information systems. And so I worked with the regulators that would come out from the FBI to make sure that our processes were hardened. So, how did I get to the bank? So I, I stay in law enforcement. I was there from 2004 to 2016. And in 2015, or let me back up, in 2014, I began adjunct teaching at Cumberland University. Uh, MTSU is harder to get in to teach. 
Uh, and so I was starting out and uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Paul Stum at Cumberland University bumped into him and he said, hey, you know, love to have you teach some information systems classes for us over here. And so I started teaching part time. Well, I get involved in a men's ministry group that was meeting at the bank called Living Sit Ministries. And I bump into uh, uh, Elmer Richardson, who was the president of the bank at the time. And he had offered me, he said, hey, we'd love to have somebody on uh, security at the bank. And they had someone internally doing that, but they were wearing multiple hats. And so I said, hey, absolutely. You know, I can I can come. I can. And we were really thinking physical security. Right. I had a law enforcement background. I was a road officer. You know, and but during my time in law enforcement, I'd gotten certified in cell phone and mobile forensics and uh, was really like a technical liaison to our, our investigative unit and was managing our computers. And I worked a lot during that time. Uh, and anyway, it was a really neat experience. And so I, I bump into people at the bank and we talk to them and I get offered this job. And so at that time, the FFIEC had released guidance uh, for an information security officer and really mandated that banks have that. And that happened in 2015. If my dates are correct. If not, somebody will correct me. But anyway, I think that's about right at that time. <laughs> I think that's about right too. I was a bank yeah. CISO at that time. So yeah. Yeah. And, and so they wanted somebody to be designated as ISO. And so right at the times I'm coming in, I saw that guidance and I said, hey, I can happily take care of the bank's physical security needs. I said, but my passion lies within IT security, cybersecurity. That is where your risks are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and bank robbery is still, you know, a threat and a risk to a bank. However, the cyber side, we see a lot more. And so anyway, I, I came on in February 2016 and I uh, get the ISO designation uh, during my time here. And, and really, you know, now I'm learning a new discipline, right? So I'm learning banking and uh, and I had familiarity and experience with regulation uh, and compliance, but now it's, you know, banking is so heavily regulated, you know, even more so. So anyway, it's been a good yeah. ride. Um, and uh, but yeah, that, that's my story. I guess the longer elevator ride version. <laughs> that's the, uh, that's the, 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 what is the tallest building in the world story? Uh, oh, the, that elevator. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Power or the buildings in Kuala Lumpur or something like that. But but that's one of the reasons why I love hearing stories, because uh, uh, one thing that you said that that I really resonated with me is that you were saying that uh, you you first heard of it because you were um, attending a men's ministry event at the bank and the president of the bank happened to be there participating presumably as well. And I, I am very open about my faith and, and how it has influenced what I do, what I do. When I left um, um, the world of corporate as CISO for First Bank, uh, it was a God calling for me, a little nudge on the shoulder. It's like someone kind of whispering in my ear. But but literally, you had somebody whispering in your ear right there. I think that's incredible. Well, you know, and yeah, I'll park there for a second because absolutely. I mean, you know, gosh, I'm going to try not to get emotional with this. But, you know, God really blessed me with that opportunity. And it, it was the opportunity of a lifetime. And, you know, and I remember thinking, and I, you know, and it's stupidly, you know, I, I remember telling him, I said, well, hey, thanks, but, you know, I don't know about working in a bank, you know, I'm, I love law enforcement, and, you know, I'm, at this point, I was off the road, I was, you know, playing clothes, and I was helping our detectives, and managing all the computers and things, and, you know, but it was like, no, God said, hey, this is, this is where I want you, and this is where you need to be, and it was like, wow, this is just an opportunity that came up out of nowhere, you know, and mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it, and we know that, Hey, that's how God works, right? He, he drops this in our lap and Amen. blesses us. So, um, and puts us where he wants us to be. And so anyway, yeah, that, that's how I, I was involved in, uh, and in anyway, so yeah, it's, 
and then still involved in that group today, Living Tip Ministries. Uh, you know, we still meet uh, now, meeting back here at the bank, and uh, you know, post well, still somewhat post COVID, right? But anyway, right. Uh, but yeah, so love, you know, love technology and and, and information security, and uh, you know, it just it never it never stops. And and for those wondering, I still you know, work with with law enforcement. You know, we have we know cyber crime now. It transitioned from white collar crime to cyber crime, as we call it now, and and fraud and, and, and of course like espionage activities and so work with with authorities at federal state and local levels now uh, even more so than what i would think possible in my previous life so oh yeah yeah uh, we had uh, someone that i i think that you're probably quite familiar with on a couple of weeks ago uh, scott augenbaum does that name oh gosh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> did he hold up his book <laughs> i actually held up his book for him i, I yeah i think i put it back up on the bookshelf but yeah he's uh uh, he, he's a wonderful guy. And that, and that's someone too, who, uh, he is, um, uh, he does it as a passion. I mean, he could have retired from the FBI and just been retired and do golf and all that, but he does everything for, with a passion. But well, I, you know, interesting story going from criminal justice, law enforcement to banking. And I can certainly relate with the, um, the, the, switch to going into banking, my path was a little bit similar, not law enforcement, but I was a government the entire way. I was higher ed in state schools and then was CISO for uh, Metro National Davidson County, which is actually where I first heard of CEGIS because obviously um, they had uh, the the police department had to be compliant with CEGIS. And then the uh, bank opportunity came around and I'm like, oh my Gosh, I don't know if I want to do that. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't even know what a teller row was at the time, you know. But I found that it was a very, um, a couple of things that that first of all, it was one of the best things that happened to me because it really expanded um, my my career. It, it got me to to expand my horizons, and and I wouldn't literally be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for that. But also a whole new range of threats and understanding that because obviously, you know, why do they go after banks? that's where the money is, right? That's right. So I'd be interested to hear your perspective on today. What do you think is like the biggest threat to, and we'll, we'll make it a little bit broader than normal. We'll say security threat because, because your physical security as well. What's the biggest threat to um, community institutions? So small, mid-sized banks and credit unions today in your eyes. You know, I think it really, you know, obviously ransomware, you know, this is, this is my opinion. These are the things that Elvis Huff thinks about. I think about ransomware. You I know, think, I, yeah. I, I'm sorry for interrupting for a minute, but that should be a podcast. Well, don't you, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm stepping all over, but don't you have like a, a newsletter? You do something like cyber, cyber stuff with Elvis Huff yeah. or something like that? Yeah, we, we, I do. I author a blog. Thank you. Security stuff with Elvis Huff. That's what yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> and you can you can Google that, and and you know I, I I keep it updated. You know sometimes I'll I'll like oh gosh I need to get a post out, and uh, you know but I love I love writing, and I love I was at a dinner with a guy last night, and I was telling him I said hey look I love taking the complex and breaking it down, and really connecting it with somebody that doesn't you know that may not understand cybersecurity, and I don't know where where I always have felt I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question in a second, but I feel that. We as IT security practitioners, you know, whatever your level, and, and they're, you know, hey, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. There's people out there that I learn from and continuously learn. I'm not the smartest guy here in the room. And, but, you know, we take a, a material set that is complex and can be so complicated. And really, I think we need to boil it down and, mm-hmm. and break it down in its most simplest form and just say, hey, 
here's the thing that you can do. And I, I fundamentally believe, and Scott probably mentioned this, Scott Ogamon last week or whatever, it, it's awareness. And mm-hmm. I think as we talk about ransomware, what keeps Elvis up, I think about ransomware. I think about, you know, disasters, you know, continuity of operations, which of course comes from ransomware, other disasters. I think about, you know, are, are we, as we migrate and bring vendors on, are we, are we looking at, and I feel that we do a great job at this and I'm constantly thinking about, you know, what's, what's the reputation of that vendor and who all does that vendor using as contractors, right? And do they have the same level of concern for my data as, as I do, my being the bank's data, right? And, and I right. say my because I, I look at it from a sense of ownership and, you know, and then I think about customers, I think about small businesses, you know, that, that mileage may vary, right, on asset size or whatever, but any, anybody that's in business, and I think about, are they thinking about security? Are they talking about it? Are they talking to their people to say, hey, you know, are, if, if, if you get a phone call imitating me, the owner of this business, do you know that you can call me anytime, day or night, if you think that it's me or you get a message? You know, a few weeks or last week, I was speaking at a Rotary Club in Smyrna, Tennessee, and I was telling this, this group of folks, I said, hey, you know, go back to your businesses and tell your people that it's OK. We need to have a culture of openness and communication that if you get that call from the or something that you think is from the CFO, that it's not the C-suite is, is off limits. I can't contact them as a regular employee. No, we need to tell them, hey, yeah, you need to call because what sadly what we see is the attackers, and this is my personal opinion, a lot of the attacks today seem to be less technical, less complex. It's more of, I want to go after the user account. I want to go after that identity. I want to spoof. I want to imitate something. And I'm socially engineering somebody to do something. And we see you know, a, a download of a file, a click a link, uh, enter in information, log into your Microsoft account. Again, after you've already logged in, when you got into the office that morning, or you logged in remotely from home. And, you know, we see, I'm not blaming the end users, but we see people maybe not think about, hey, well, you know, should I be doing this again? Or is this really where I need to enter that? And then the identity is compromised. The attacker wants to look at who they are, where they are, and what they have access to. And we know that the attackers are going to try and traverse controls and step through the minefield of controls to get to whatever they want, you know, right. Whether that's exfilling or exfiltrating data rather that is uh, downloading malicious software and then setting that so that it executes. And then you're paying a ransom and ransomware to get the files back. So those are the things I think about. And then, you know, I'll mention patching, you know, just, just patch, 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 you know, everybody's beating that drum. We are as well. And, you know, I, I just, it's constant, the number of systems and the systems we have. And even as I think about cloud, you know, I want to make sure my cloud vendors, right. I'm looking at their audit reports, their SOC reports. I'm making sure that, Hey, those systems are being patched and am I performing or are they performing uh, vulnerability scans? And am I getting those results or can I even perform a scan against that cloud entity? And so, I don't know, it's just, it's about the protection of data and the, 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 omnipresent threats that seem to just continuously evolve. That's what keeps, that's what I think about a lot. Well, I think that you, you touched upon something which, you know, I've been doing, I've been doing the podcast in some form or another for several years, but it was about six months to the day 
that I flipped over and started to do this this interview thing, which has just been so much fun. I love hearing stories. And, and I'll, I'll ask the question about threats. And I've never heard one of the things that you said, which I think is so important. Now, in security, we 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 evangelize that security only works if you have support from the top down. You have to have that C-suite support. But you talked about openness. And specifically when it comes to being able and feeling comfortable and knowing that it's the right thing to do to call the CEO or CFO at any time, whatever, and to verify that. I think that is critically important. And I think that um, organizations that get security would be completely fine for that because what's the worst thing that can happen um, you know, if you don't call the CFO, well, you could lose a lot of money, you know, and certainly that would be something that the CFO and the CEO would want to be concerned with. So um, that's a good one. I like that. I mean, very, very, very insightful. Um, you know, we were talking earlier and I'm, I'm again, looking a little bit at LinkedIn and, and getting back a little bit to dates here. One thing I noticed, and this is kind of a segue into the, the next thing I wanted to ask, and that was, if I'm reading this correctly, you started as a police officer in 2004. You started in your bachelor's uh, program at MTSU in 2004. So were you working full-time and going to school pretty much full-time? I, I was. I was working at night and I was going to school during the day. So I would work. Uh, I, at that time, I was working a second shift and I would get off uh, at night and I would get up and then go to school at MTSU in the morning. And uh, I did that all the way through my uh, bachelor's and master's. Uh, and uh, it was it was tough. Uh, man, I learned to, uh, I put a lot of money in MTSU and Starbucks. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but man, you know, it, it was it was an experience, right? And, and, you know, I just, I would tell people, one thing I just want to say this, I had a, um, it wasn't at the bank. This was years ago. I had uh, uh, someone at the police department uh, or at, at, at the city at the time tell me, well, hey, I don't think you're going to be able to work and go to school. You know, that's just people don't do that. It's not going to work here and this and that. And and very sense at a sense of humility of not bragging. But I remember five years later, you know, it took me five years and I was working and brought my diploma in. I wanted to put it in my personnel file, you know, and it was kind of like, hey, the same person was there. And I didn't say anything, right? Because I'm like, and I'm not a bragger. I'm, I'm very, I want to be humble and, and hat in hand type approach. But it was just like, man, I, I, I had this idea. I said, no, man, I'm not, I'm not going with, and sorry, I'm not going to get emotional here on that either, but I'm not going to be told that, hey, you can't do that, you know, because I just thought, man, and that's, that was, that was my story. That's what I had to do. And, um, but anyway, it gave me a lot of experience and, uh, you know, I didn't get the, I, I commuted, you know, so I was driving as well from Lebanon to Murfreesboro. Yeah. And that's not a short drive of anybody who's, who is outside of the middle of Tennessee area. That's probably, you're probably talking about close to an hour, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was about 45, 50 minutes. Yeah. And, uh, you Depending know, upon how 231 is, if that's the way you went. 231. And then I started taking a 40. Uh, but yeah, the, the commute was, you know, it was, man, made it a lot. And then, you know, class projects, library, research trips. Uh, and, then, you know, and, and at that time we didn't have, you, you had pipeline MT, you may remember that, but, you know, absolutely. You, I worked on it. That's right. Yeah. You were, you were working on it. And so, but, you know, online classes, you know, it wasn't, it was hit or miss. Yeah, yeah, we had a few, you know. That's right. Yeah, it wasn't the offerings that we have today. And, and I'm not saying, oh, back in the day, it's not the thing here. But it was just, it was different. You know, you just, we didn't know what we didn't know. And now it's like, wow, what we see. So 
And of yeah. course, the, the little reference to then 840 is that I believe that that stretch of 840 opened up during that time that you were actually working or was it always there? I can't it, remember. Well, I think it, yeah, it opened maybe it, just a few years ago. It had not been there long. And so you uh, interstate, well, now it's an interstate 840, but yeah, you can take, get on in Lebanon and, and run down to Murfreesboro and get off and you could be at NTSU. You know, I think it shaved about five to 10 minutes off the time, but yeah, it, it made yeah. it a little faster. So, um, and that was the lead into, I, I like to ask, you know, with, with uh, information security is very, very stressful and all that, but I mean, you're, you're kind of like Superman here, it seems like being able to handle that stress. So I guess maybe now just working for the bank and not going to uh, school, that's probably like a little bit de-stressful, but, but what do you, do you have something that you like to do to get away from the thoughts of security in the bank and all that? You know, I I enjoy the non-technical in in my off time. Uh, I like simple things, right? I love just going for peaceful walks, uh, mm-hmm. literally, you know, just un, just disconnecting, you know, and I know we always say that, but I mean, truly, and, and I am a morning person. So I found, you know, I work nights, uh, I, night shift was not my thing. You know, I'm a morning person, but I did it and, you know, hey, I got the badge or whatever, but I, I love mornings. And so, as I was driving into the office this morning, you know, and by choice, I choose to come in early, you know, earlier than, than, than required and earlier. And I'm, I'm watching the sun come up and, you know, man, mm. that's, that's peaceful to me. Yeah. And the other thing that I do, I, I spend time, uh, you know, I pray, stay in the word, you know, and just connect really because I like to collect my thoughts and disconnect uh, because, you know, I've, you know, in working all day, you, you stay connected, you're plugged in, you're, you're watching news feeds and intelligence feeds, you know, what, okay, what's the latest threat or, you know, and you're just trying to make sure everything, everything's going right where it needs to go. And so I I find the non-technical to be very uh, uh, appealing, love going for walks as well. So. Awesome. Awesome. What are your future plans? Are you going to go back for your doctorate and, uh, you know, (laughs) not get any sleep and work two jobs and go to school full-time? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I don't, I don't know. I, uh, uh, I, well, no offense against those that have it. You know, I had somebody tell me once, uh, you know what PhD stands for, right? Piled high and deep. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but but <laughs> I don't know if you need to edit that out. Go ahead. But no, no, man, no, no. We just go straight through. <laughs> we go straight through. No, but you know, I don't know. I had thought about it because I, I love teaching. I love talking about security, obviously. And I don't know. I, I loved adjunct teaching. In fact, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. You know, one thing that I have thought about, I should have done this right as I got done with my master's is get my CISSP. That's when I had a buddy that I was going to the program with. He actually, we got done. He didn't study at all for the CISSP. He went and got, uh, uh, the, took the test and passed it, obviously, because, you know, we, we were studying all this material and I didn't do it at the time. And I was kind of, by that point, I was done with school, been in school from 2004, you know, all the way up to 2012 when I got done with the master's and I was like, man, I'm done. Uh, for a while. So yeah, I think about CS, CISSP, I've thought about, um, uh, you know, have thought about doctorate, I have. Um, so I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. I think the CISSP though is more realistic at this juncture. Um, and, you know, just to stand in the community, staying plugged in because we see that threats change. We see that, uh, you know, what, what we were doing even 2012, we don't, you know, don't need to be doing the same thing today. The threats have changed and uh, systems are changing and, you know, pushes, you know, to the cloud. We always talk about that as well. So just staying, staying on top of what's current and being relevant, I think is important. And then also don't forget the basics, right? You know, we think about, I mentioned earlier, patching, awareness, culture, right. what, what is our culture of security uh, and how can we, how can we preach that? So. 
Well, I, uh, it's been quite some time since I tested for the CISSP. You had to actually go on site. It was, it was physical paper and all that. And um, I, I often share what it is that I did in order to prepare for it the night before at the hotel. But I, we don't have time to talk about that today. So I'll have to do that in another show. Elvis, thank you so much for joining us. Great story. Love hearing your path and really appreciate your time. Hey, thank you for having me. Enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. And everybody stay secure.